the way that I prepared to get into this new relationship was to get rid of the trash, cut <laughs> off all friends with benefits, cut off yes. all casual relationships, cut off all conversations with men that you once dated, once met on an app, get rid of the garbage, reconnect with yourself, spend time doing things you love with people that you love, and then, you know, add those boundaries in. If nothing's gone further, you need to cut it all out. Mm. Once you cut them all out, the universe says, you've learned your lesson, mm. this was a test, work on yourself for a little bit, and you'll find them. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Interstates and Heartbreak. I'm so excited to introduce the two guests who I have on today's episode, and they are Lauren Fractor and Ryan Gaddy. They are the hosts of their own podcast. It is a therapeutic and wellness podcast called Dope Shit My Therapist Says, which I love. And they're both originally from Southern California. Ryan moved to Connecticut, and she's a licensed marriage and family therapist who works with teens in high school and private practice. And Lauren, she still lives in Los Angeles, and she's finishing up her hours towards licensure to become a licensed marriage and family therapist. So they are both very qualified to discuss this topic today. Lauren also works with teens at a high school, and they both met during their graduate counseling program, and they've been friends for almost five years. They share a love of traveling, and they enjoy yearly girls trips to new destinations. They also share a love of music and love of going to live shows and concerts when we have the opportunity to again really miss that. So together, they started the Dope Shit My Therapist Says podcast in order to combine their love of community with their passion for self-help, wellness, and therapy. And yeah, so excited to have you both. Thank you, Leslie. We're so happy to be here and so excited to record on your podcast. Yeah, so excited. We're really a big fan of your podcast as well. Oh my gosh, thank you. This is another one of those instances where, you know, made a quarantine connection. And so I actually met virtually Lauren through the Ladies of Los Angeles Facebook group, which she moderates. I think that's so cool. And she's just bringing women together. Clearly, it's worked in this case because I saw she posted about her podcast. And I was like, interesting. I feel like this could be some good synergy. Yes, I'm so glad that we connected, especially during this crazy time of quarantine, because there's nothing that I love more than bringing women together and making connections. And why not do it virtually? Yeah, why not? It's like, we can't just wait until this is going to end because literally who knows when that's going to happen. So have to make these connections how we can. Exactly. So I'm really excited to talk to you ladies today about boundaries as a whole, how that relates to dating. And it was honestly just such a natural fit when I listened to your podcast and you had an episode about how to set boundaries within a friendship. And that really inspired me because I feel like it's so important to have boundaries in order to have a healthy romantic relationship as well. And I feel like there are some clear differences between the two, but then there are also some commonalities that you really have to apply to romantic relationships as well. So would love to kind of hear about what inspired that episode, some experiences that you have personally had with having to set boundaries and all of that great stuff. 
Yeah, absolutely. So one of Lauren's friends actually brought up the idea that she was having some hard times setting boundaries with friends that were long-term friends Mm -hmm. and really wanted to hear our perspective on how do you set boundaries with somebody you've been friends with for a long time and is it okay to end a friendship that you've had for an extended period of time so Mm -hmm. that's kind of how that episode came to be but i mean i personally have some thoughts on the differences between friendship boundaries and relationship boundaries i think that there needs to be a lot of similarities but there also needs to be a lot of differences And one thing that pops up for me right away is that I think in relationships, romantic relationships, we have a harder time setting boundaries than we do in friendships Mm -hmm. because we're more okay with our friends hearing us say no or talking about what we need as a person because we feel that they're going to accept us and love us for that. And in romantic relationships, we really have that fear that if I say no, or if I say this is what I need, this person's going to leave. Mm-hmm. That's so true. That's such a good point, because I was thinking about it. And I was like, I do feel like there is a clear difference. But why is that? And I was having a hard time articulating it. But I think you're right. I don't want to say we take our friendships for granted. That's not the case. I think it's just that you understand if it's a healthy friendship, that they're going to accept what your boundaries are and respect them. And yet we don't necessarily set that for partners, which we should. Well, and it's funny, too, because I actually went on a friend date yesterday. Mm -hmm. I live in Connecticut now, so I've been trying to learn how to make new friends Mm -hmm. in my new environment. And Mm -hmm. so I've been using Bumblebee F and and all that. Mm -hmm. And I, like, left my friend date. And the first thing that popped into my head was, why is this so much easier to go on a friend date with somebody I've never met Mm -hmm. versus go on a real date with somebody that I'm hoping to be romantic with? You know, and it's that pressure of, you know, if this person rejects me, okay, like I have other friends, but Mm -hmm. romantically, we pick one person, most of us, not all of us, Mm -hmm. and we have more pressure on ourselves for that. Gosh, that's so true. And the cool thing about being online and being able to connect with people online is that you have a choice. Mm -hmm. You have a choice to meet up with someone. You have a choice to become friends with them, date them. That is totally up to you. Mm -hmm. So in some ways you know, this, it's easier to make newer friends through online platforms or even in real life. But when you've had connections since childhood with someone or high school, you just feel like you need to keep that friendship alive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on our podcast, when we were talking about that episode, you don't have to. Yeah. It's natural to grow apart. And it's natural, you know, in the span of 10, 20 years, even to be different people. And your friendship doesn't even have to completely go away. It might just look completely different. And it might be that you don't spend as much time with this friend. You don't talk to this friend very much. You talk to them every couple months. Mm -hmm. But it's still a connection. It's still a relationship, a friendship. It just doesn't have to look like it once did because we grow as people and we don't look like we once did. Yeah, it's so true. And I feel like when I was younger, I had a harder time coming to terms with that. And when I say younger, I mean like around college age, even just after college, because I really value having a lot of friends and like a wide friend group. And so I feel like I would go back home to San Diego, for example, and I would just try to see everyone who I had ever had a connection with when I was in high school. And it was great for a while, but then there were some friendships that would start to fade a little bit. And it would make me feel self-conscious of like, am I just not good at maintaining these friendships when really you just kind of have to realize like that is just going to happen sometimes. 
Yeah. And especially if you move to another part of the country or the world, you know, I have a friend who moved from the East Coast to here and it's a slower pace in certain parts of the U.S. Mm-hmm. And L.A. looks very different. And you're kind of in a position living in a Los Angeles or in New York City, a big city in, in the United States to move faster, to grow up a little bit, because if you can't, it's hard to to live here. Yeah, You learn things very quickly. So I was telling her, you know, it's okay that you're the one that moved. So it's going to look different for you. Yeah. So that's a good time to reevaluate. Is it worth maintaining this relationship with them? Or again, talking about boundaries and Mm -hmm. what you need and your needs and wants in a relationship because it's changed. Like when you were 18, it doesn't look the same as it does now. Yeah, that's so true. When you were talking, Leslie, about, you know, the whole age thing and maturing when it comes to how we view relationships, friendships, and, you know, romantic relationships, I think is the same in this scenario. I do agree that we kind of are more, I don't know, I want to use the word selfish, but like we think everything is about us at that age. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I have to keep all these friendships up because this is what I did before and I have to stay the same and that's really important. And as we get older, some of us, but not all of us, like we do learn that it's more important for us to build friendships that make sense for us in the moment and maintain those friendships and like let some of the other ones go from high school or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I think the same is true for romantic relationships. You know, if you reflect back on your relationships in high school or college, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of this, how can I make this person stay? How can I make this person like me? Yeah. And the goal is, as we get older, to move away from that and, you know, really say, do I like this person? Mm -hmm. And does this person respect who I am now? And can I really be myself? And learning to say that if the case is no, then it's our right to walk away, that there's going to be other people. Yeah. Rather than like, fight to make something fit with someone who you're like, oh, well, I really want them to like me. It's like, okay, well, if they don't like you, then it's probably not going to work. Like you can't force someone to like you. Right. So kind of going back to how we might let some more leeway slide in friendships. What are some instances in which like you've either seen in your personal life or in friends' lives or any potential clients' lives, ways that people are just a little bit more forgiving with romantic partners in a way that they shouldn't be or wouldn't be if you were talking about a friend relationship? Well, it kind of comes down to the human instinct of wanting love and intimacy. Mm -hmm. Friendships bring a lot of love. They bring a lot of closeness, but they don't bring the romantic intimacy that we all crave, that we all need as Mm -hmm. humans. And when we're in a situation where maybe we're having a confrontation or some type of fight with our significant other, we are way more likely to forgive them because we don't want to lose that connection. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everyone, this looks different for everyone, but say you have a good amount of friends. Mm -hmm. It's a lot easier for you to walk away from one of those friendships when you have all these others. If you're in a monogamous relationship, that one fight may mean they're walking out of your life forever. But then I'm like, well, if I have a fight with a friend, I've got like five more. So that's really not that big of a deal. Yeah. I also feel like there's kind of like sunk cost fallacy. And it doesn't go into the friendships as much to the same point that you just brought up. It's like you have other friends. It's not like if you lose one friend, you're starting from scratch. But if you have a relationship and you're like, well, I've been with this person for two years or three years or even longer, you have this history. And it does kind of feel like, well, 
now I have to start over, you know? And it's like, you just kind of have to realize sometimes starting from scratch in a healthy relationship is better than trying to fix a relationship that's flawed. And I think it's just a matter of like knowing, okay, well, when is the relationship so flawed that you just kind of need to cut your losses and move forward and start fresh versus actually taking the time to invest and work on what you've already built? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think for romantic relationships, it takes us a longer time to realize that just because it's not working or it's ending, it doesn't have to negatively reflect on us. You know, it's not necessarily a failure. I think with friendships, we can bounce back a little bit faster from them where romantic relationships, it's a slower progress, Mm -hmm. slower build for us. There's like these steps that we go through and, you know, expectations that we have. But with friendships, it tends to be a connection and we just kind of go with it. There's less rules with friendships on how slow or fast you have to go and what the expectations are behind that. So when you lose a friendship, although it may be a painful sometimes it's also easier to go back to there's not so much stigma behind oh going back to an old friend that's so true no one's like i can't believe you texted her again like unless your friend did something crazy like people are usually like oh i'm glad you mended the friendship versus your girlfriends being like you should not be texting your ex right now that's so true and also going back to bumble bff Mm -hmm. or meetup groups it's just a lot easier to feel less pressure than going on a date. Mm -hmm. Like Ryan said, you go into it going, cool, I'm meeting someone new. Now, if we all had that mindset on going on a date and really stuck to it, then I think we'd feel a little bit more relaxed and there'd be less pressure on us. But it's hard with all that noise to push it out because immediately we get excited. Our heart starts beating fast. Our palms are sweaty. I don't feel this way on a friend (laughs) date ever, but I do on a romantic date. This goes back to personality too. I'm very extroverted person. I pushed myself out of my comfort zone when I got to college. Mm -hmm. I felt like a completely different person. So for me, going on romantic dates became really easy after a while, Mm -hmm. but I was also going on a lot of them. Yeah. But that's not for everyone. Some some people need, you know, they go on one a month and like they have way too much anxiety about it. Mm -hmm. So this really is a case by case situation. But you know, over time, things get easier, the more you do them. That's so true. And one thing you bring up about like how much easier it is to go on these friend dates. So I've been thinking about even from the perspective of this podcast. So clearly, I reached out to you both to ask if you wanted to be on. And I've reached out to two other people who I didn't know, like one girl, I literally slid into her DMs to be like, Hey, I saw your podcast. Do you want to be a guest? And it worked out. And I thought about it. And I was like, I am never the person to make the first move with guys. And it's just kind of crazy that with this, it's just like, oh, yeah, why wouldn't I reach out if they don't respond? Fine, you know? Well, I think that connects so much to society and the way that women are raised to think about ourselves and our roles in romantic relationships. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can only speak from, you know, a heterosexual perspective, but reaching out to a man, you know, a lot of us are taught that, well, they're not going to like that. Mm -hmm. They need to chase you to be interested in you. And there's all these rules and, you know, things that are kind of connected. But I mean, even friendship wise, I think our generation has moved forward quite a bit Mm -hmm. in how 
women are approaching other women now. And yeah. I don't think it was always the same as it used to be. Mm -hmm. We're feeling much more empowerment to connect to each other and engage with each other and not compete with each other. Yeah. And that's beautiful. But I think we need to now change the narrative when it comes to romantic relationships and dating that there needs to be more equality. Mm -hmm. We need to feel more empowered to set boundaries, but also to be, you know, more forthcoming about how we may be feeling. Yeah, totally agree. So I'd love to get both of your perspectives on what a healthy relationship looks like, because I feel like I've talked about this quite a bit, but I feel like sometimes in the media, you see relationships that are idealized, but they're not necessarily healthy. Like if it were real life, you'd be like, these two people should break up, but they just sensationalize all the back and forth and the drama and the highs and the lows. But I feel like that's not usually the foundation for a great relationship. Of course, there can be exceptions, but not the thing to go off of. So from your experience, what should a healthy relationship look like? And like, are there mainly a lot of parallels with what a healthy friendship looks like? So I'm finally in a healthy relationship Yay. after 28 years. Oh my gosh, congrats. Um, so thank you. Yes, it's been almost a year since we've met. But before that, I thought I knew what a healthy relationship looked like. And mm -hmm. I was so, so wrong. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what I've learned in the last couple of years is that a healthy relationship, it comes down to communication mm -hmm. and honesty and trust. And it's very cliche to say that, but that's all you really need because there's going to be external factors and you're going to have internal things to work on that, you know, have nothing to do with your partner that are, you know, trauma and wounds from past relationships. Mm -hmm. But as far as when you meet somebody and you're developing a relationship, it really comes down to how you communicate because even now there's times where I'll, you know, stew over something for a few days and it's like, all I need to do is tell him, like, mm -hmm. this is your problem right now. This yeah. is because your last partner wasn't as, you know, communicative and didn't have those qualities. So yeah. now I'm feeling like, okay, I can finally say, you know what, I'm not happy here. Last night we had a conversation. I said, we need to get out more. Like, I'm mm -hmm. really having trouble with this quarantine. We need to like try and go to the park or, mm -hmm. you know, go to the golf course and shoot, you know, off of the driving range. And he was like, that sounds good. And I'm like, Aww. okay, well, I could have said that two days ago. <laughs> but basically, you know, you have to have trust and honesty. You have to have the autonomy too, mm -hmm. because you need to live your own life. And a healthy relationship is going to just be that balance with your own life. Yeah. And tying that into friendships, same thing. You know, you want to make sure that you have a very balanced life where you see your friends, you see your partner, and you have time for yourself. Mm -hmm. And when they're not, when one is outweighing, the only one I would say that could outweigh is your own self. Like you can mm -hmm. spend more time with yourself if yeah. you need a full week to yourself. True. No one's going to go, how dare you? But <laughs> as far as like everything else, you need to balance your friendships with your romantic partner and with yourself. Yeah, so. which is very hard to do, I will say. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, I'm coming from a single perspective, but what I've learned a lot is it's hard to find somebody else that is self-aware. Mm -hmm. And I mean, of course, we're not always going to be fully self-aware. I'm sure there's tons of things I'm not self-aware of. Mm -hmm. But doing your best to continue to do self-work moving forward and knowing that every day that you do your own work and know yourself well and have confidence in that that it's going to lead you to be a healthier partner mm -hmm. for somebody and meeting somebody that's open to also doing that and exploring themselves and saying, 
hmm, maybe this is something that I'm bringing in from my last relationship, or this is something I'm struggling with. You know, I need to be open to communicating about it. But just being okay with saying, hey, this is something I'm not doing right, or mm-hmm. I'm struggling with, I need support with this, or I need to work on this. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you give feedback to each other that you're going to be able to be open and listening to that feedback, you know, boundaries, right? Like, yeah. hey, this is not something that makes me comfortable or, you know, you told me you'd stop doing that, mm-hmm. but you're not. So like Lauren said, that communication back and forth about things. Yeah, I could dive into this for a long time because I feel like in our society, there's just like this idealized view of like the cool girl. And I don't know if you guys saw Gone Girl, but I love that movie, honestly, primarily because it really brought that to light and like how this woman pretended to be this cool girl and be so chill with everything. And then she just snapped because you can't just hide all of these things that are bothering you indefinitely. Eventually it's going to come to the surface. So early on in dating, I feel like that pressure is just amplified even more. Like you really want to feel like you're so chill and so easy to get along with and like, oh, you're not like other girls. How do you fall out of that trap? I actually listened to a podcast. I don't know if you've heard of Mark Groves, but he is like Mm. our guru. We love him so much. He's an amazing positive psychology relationship coach. He has his own podcast. And I was listening to one of his episodes last week while I was driving to work. And he's interviewing a woman and the episode was actually about how strong, independent women struggle to find relationships. Mm. And one of the things that they were saying is you can put on all the makeup and your best dress and all of these things when you go on dates to show your best version of yourself. Mm -hmm. But if you're not showing up to this date as you would be day to day, Mm -hmm. you're putting on a mask that you're not going to be able to uphold. Yeah. And you're not really showing up as who you are every day in a comfortable situation. Mm -hmm. And that's who you want to be. You want to show up like if your hair is like mine and it's in a bun all the time, like Mm -hmm. you should probably show up with your hair in a bun. Yeah, You should show up with how you feel most at home in your own body and in your own personality because that's the person you want the person to fall in love with. Yeah. If they fall in love with you in your best dress with lots of makeup on and heels, and that's not you 90% of the time, then your relationship moving forward isn't going to feel comfortable. You're going to feel that pressure like, okay, you know, it's our second date. I got to do my hair again. Mm -hmm. I got to do my makeup again. I got to do all this. (laughs) And that really hit home, you know, because yeah, in college, I was trying to be the cool girl, always be fine with things, whether I was or not. Mm -hmm. You have to be true to who you really are. And if something's bothering you, then you need to talk about it. They're not cool with it then, you know, that's saying something about how you guys' communication is going to be moving forward. That's true. That's true. I realized, you know, like sometimes I say weird things and I would be like, should I say that on the date? And I kind of was like, you should just say it because you're going to say it eventually. And if that's a deal breaker, at least they can find out early on rather than being shocked and being like, I thought that you were totally normal. And then you hoodwinked me. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. No, I I completely agree with that. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's, you know, this outline on rules of dating. Mm -hmm. And I follow a bunch of different Instagrams and podcasts of people who talk about dating and they're all so different. Mm -hmm. And I mean, not that there's a right or a wrong way, but it's really important to show up, like Ryan said, as yourself early on, because why waste your time? That's not who you are. Mm -hmm. And it's so much easier to date someone 
for a month and then be like, okay, you know, we're not a good fit. Then for it to be six months and it's like, well, like I'm so nervous to show him this or Mm -hmm. tell him this. It's like, where were you the last six months? (laughs) So true. That goes back to just truly being yourself. So if you have weird humor and, you know, you want to show it, show it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Show it early on. I mean, even the first date, if you feel comfortable. That's why usually I like to do some type of activity by date three, because mm-hmm. I want them to see my competitive side. Absolutely. It's a big part of who I am. So my boyfriend and I on our third date went bowling. My idea, I paid for it, nice. we went, Love it. it was great, he saw it, he didn't run away. So yeah. clearly that was something he was attracted to. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, this girl has a competitive fire. So. I just feel like with women and dating, we need to make our own rules, our own path mm-hmm. and just say F it to the other stuff. And if they don't like it, great. Someone else will. Mm-hmm. And he's waiting for me. Mm-hmm. So I got to get through all these people before I find him. Yeah. And I also feel like there can be this expectation of like, oh, well, I want someone to see that I'm flexible and like I could fit into their lifestyle. And it really has to go both ways. And this is a slight tangent. But recently, I feel like on the dating apps, I've seen more and more people who have like sent me likes who are clearly very, very outdoorsy, like to the point where it's like, oh, you're rock climbing every weekend, you're going backpacking all the time. And then I feel like the conversation, if I match with them, it's like, oh, well, do you go backpacking? Like, would you want to go backpacking? And I'm like, not really. Like, I really like being outdoors. I'll go on a lot of hikes. But the idea of like having that be my primary source of entertainment, that's just not something I'm going to do. Like, I'll go camping, maybe I'll try backpacking once. But I'm like, I feel like it needs to be clearly defined so that you're not expecting that like, this is what we would do every weekend if we were to date. Right? No, absolutely. Showing up in your dating profiles, you know, realistically. And I think we get pulled into this, like, I need to try everything. Because what Mm -hmm. if they're the one and I was just being too judgmental and putting people in a box? Yes. But you have to be realistic with yourself. Like, I am not athletic. And if you expect me to join your softball league, I'm going to be injured and we're going to be in the hospital. So you should probably pick a different activity for me to do with you. You know, just those kind of things is being realistic. And I remember having a conversation with Lauren, actually, as I was trying to figure out if I should put in my dating profile, because I'm single, that I was into like spirituality, astrology, Mm, tarot, things along those lines. And you know, how early do you bring those things up, mm-hmm. you know, along those lines. So I think that's a constant push and pull of in the dating world of yeah. how early do you show people things mm-hmm. that you're interested in that might be controversial or yeah. might not understand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And something that I found helpful towards the end of my dating on the apps, because I did meet my boyfriend through a dating app, Mm -hmm. was I spent more time talking to them on the app and meeting up. There was a time I was going on, what, maybe three, three or four dates a week. Mm -hmm. And it's because I (laughs) I didn't want to say no. I was like, he could be the one. He could be the one. Maybe he's the one. What if I miss this opportunity by not going out? And then with my boyfriend, we talked for like a week on the app and then Finally, he gave me his number, met up the next day, Mm -hmm. and then that was it. And I was like, so what changed here? Obviously, like, we had a connection, but, like, there was a difference. And the difference, I think, was that I felt like I got to know who he was, how he communicated, at least through messages, Mm -hmm. before I agreed to a date with a guy that, you know, you'd swipe 
right? You'd message, hey, are you free tonight? I don't know you at all. Yeah. And like, yes, you want to get to know someone on a date. That's why you have to kind of find that like that good window of talking, but not too much talking mm-hmm. and, and getting to meet them. Mm-hmm. But I felt like I was just agreeing to these people way too early. And yeah. then I get to the date and they'd say, oh, I love exactly like you. Oh, I love to work out. I love to backpack. I love to, I love cats. All the things <laughs> that I'm not a fan of. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I always talk about this, but like I, 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 I dated men who loved cats and every single one of them sucked. Because I didn't listen to myself. I didn't listen to myself. I love dogs, hate cats, sorry. But it's true. Also, like, did they, that's a bold statement. I I don't know. I know a lot of people love cats, but it was like they loved cats and, like, didn't like dogs or were just, like, average on dogs. Because I feel like that's a red flag. I went on a date like that. I actually went on a date last week with a guy. We've been talking for almost a week via text. Mm Mm-hmm. And he asked me out and I said, do you mind if I bring my dog? She's Aww. been, you know, in a crate all day and it was an outdoor date. Mm-hmm. He said, sure. Turns out he likes cats and doesn't like dogs oh, and doesn't no. understand why anybody would want a dog. What? And my dog, my poor dog is just sitting there staring at him. And I was like, that, okay, no. I'm go. That's I'm a go. deal breaker. Anyone who doesn't like dogs, it's one thing to be like, I don't have time for a dog. Like, I would love a dog. I don't have one because I'm like, I live in a tiny place. One day I'll go back to work and won't be home. But like, I love dogs. I don't understand people mm-hmm. who are like, no, that's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, unconditional no love isn't for you. <laughs> I know. He was like, I don't understand. They always want to be near you and, t- and like, have you pet them? Exactly. Blah, blah, blah. And I was well, like, yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> what, is, what does that say for them, though? If they don't if they don't like that kind of unconditional love, what yeah. does that mean for the two of you? There's definitely yeah. no history there. Not for Ryan. Ryan is a dog lover, and she needs someone who understands. Yeah. Yes. That, oh, also, that sounds like someone who has an avoidant attachment style. If they're like, this creature is too needy. Like, I don't know. That's uh, That's very concerning. Yeah. yeah. I mean, cats are needy, too, just in a different way. Yeah. Definitely. Or also that they don't want to potentially put an effort because <laughs> owning a dog is a lot more labor than owning a cat. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, you know, you don't have to have the same interest with someone, but mm-hmm. they do have to respect that you have that interest. Absolutely. And yeah. so, you know, going back to spirituality, astrology, my boyfriend, not into astrology, I can't convince him it's not happening. Mm-hmm. But he lets me rant and he respects that I like it. Mm-hmm. And that's where it ends. Yeah. But that's why I have friends to go to to talk about astrology and podcasts Actually. and all the cool things. So it's just about respecting interests. Yeah. But when you hear from someone, oh, I hate that. I would never, never would even, those are red, those are mm-hmm. the red flags. Yeah. Because you want to hear like, oh, I've never tried it, but I'm open to trying. Mm-hmm. You want to be open, open-minded. When there's like a hard no, it's like, ooh, what's that going to say for us when we're talking about real deep, serious yeah. topics? Yeah. This podcast that I listened to called Girls Gotta Eat, they talked about how if a guy is single for too long, he becomes like a feral animal. And I thought that was so <laughs> funny because I feel like anyone can kind of do this where it's like you've just not had to compromise for a while. And so you're just very obstinate. But for a guy, I feel like if you, you're a bachelor too long, I feel like that's a whole different thing where it's like there's certain things that you might do at a bachelor pad that a girlfriend wouldn't be okay with. Interesting. Yeah. I think that too can just be a certain personality for certain men, you mm-hmm. know, as well, that they're just like less flexible about certain things. Mm-hmm. Cause I have a friend that's been single for a very long time and he's just, you know, would be the greatest boyfriend for anybody. 
Aww. but I think he's a rare flower, so it's probably yeah. why. Yeah, very rare. I feel like that's that can be hard to find. <laughs> mm-hmm. So kind of conversely, I know we were talking about setting boundaries when you just start to date someone. I feel like you can also have an issue where maybe you've been in a relationship for a really long time. And so they're like your go-to, you have this strong bond with them. And so you feel like, okay, the relationship is really good. And so you don't necessarily recognize that there are certain things that are occurring as issues that you need to address because they're infringing on your boundaries. How do you kind of work through that when it's not like, oh, I'm just getting to know this person, but I actually do have this long standing history and value this relationship? I feel like I've encountered a little bit of that recently Mm -hmm. for my own relationship. And it's just important to sit with yourself and really take time to just be alone and be with your thoughts. Mm -hmm. A lot of times in therapy, we're always talking about journaling, meditation, all these wonderful activities for self-care. I'm not big into meditation, but Mm -hmm. writing things out and journaling, I'm open to it when I need it. So there's times when I'm like, why am I feeling so upset? So then I figure out, you know, is it my friends? No. Is it, you know, my relationship? Well, maybe. And then you kind of go down the rabbit hole and kind of figure out, oh, this is the area that I need to be working on. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like boundary setting, it can happen at any time. You're always going to have new boundaries to set with somebody Mm -hmm. because, you know, when you meet someone, you might have certain things that you need from them, but then they're working on it and things are better, but then you notice something else six Mm -hmm. months later. This goes for friends too, especially with the quarantine. Like I had friends that were not great at communicating Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they weren't the best texters and... I thought, oh, quarantine's going to change them. And it didn't. Yeah. So then I kind of also reminded them like, hey, like, where you been? Like, is everything okay? Like, I haven't heard from you Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So boundaries can just come up at any time. You just need to know if it's something that you need to work on, you both need to work on, or they need to work on. And I think that's kind of where you start. Mm -hmm. Because if it's you, then you do more of that self-help therapy work that you need. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it is both of you. Like, you know what? I haven't been the best friend, but neither of you. Yeah. So let's yeah. talk about that. Or, you know, my relationship, I haven't heard from you all day. Like, where you been? You know how I feel. And he's like, well, I didn't hear from you yesterday, you know, kind of yeah. thing. So it's like, oh, okay. It's about being open and being self-aware too, because you need to swallow your pride when you're setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. And it's hard and it hurts, but it's important. Yeah. I think too, like if you're in a long-term relationship and things have gotten comfortable, you may be blind or not aware of things that you may need to set boundaries about Mm -hmm. between the two of you. I think listening to the people around you, you know, a Mm -hmm. lot of the time people have a lot of opinions about your relationship. Mm -hmm. Some of them are about that person and what they're projecting on you, but sometimes they're seeing things that you're kind of just not open to being aware of. Yeah. So being open to hearing what your family and friends are saying, you know, Mm -hmm. about you and your partner, like, hey, maybe every time I try to make plans with you, you say yes, and then you ditch me for your partner, or you're not available enough because you're always with your partner. That's a big one. These are things that... Sometimes you just need to listen to your friends and family's opinions, Mm -hmm. and sometimes you don't, Yeah, you know, to hear, maybe this is where I need to set a boundary. Yeah. It's so hard to find that balance also, because it's like, I know we have friends that we go to for different things. You know, you have friends you go to when you need really tough love and hard hitting advice. You have friends you go to when you might need a little bit more coddling or your friend who kind of like mirrors how you're feeling about it and might just listen to you. 
So it's really interesting because I feel like you kind of have to evaluate like, okay, well, what type of friend is this usually? How much can I take what they say at face value versus having to really look at the context of like what their communication style is like and things that are usually offended by. And I had this experience with someone who I dated and one of my friends met him and was around my birthday. And so she was so excited to meet him. And to be very frank, I I got pretty drunk. So I don't really remember the interaction that they had, but she was just like, it was so awful. She was like, not a fan. And it was so hard because I was like, I wish that I had seen this through my own lens and could interpret it because now I'm like going back to him and being like, what the hell happened? And he didn't really remember doing any of that either. So he's like, I I don't know. I can't believe that I would have like said X, Y, and Z to her. And so it kind of puts you in this position of I'm going to ingest the information and then look to see, is this actually a pattern that's arising in the relationship that I need to address? And like you said before, you know, you do have certain friends for certain things. And, you know, it's been really hard for me because I'm very open book. I've always been. And how I was raised, we always had open communication. Talk about your feelings. Talk about your issues. So with friends, I've overstepped so many times in them telling me, either me telling them about their relationship or vice versa. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of had to put certain friends in certain categories at this point. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, you know, like when I start to talk about this with one friend, they start to get really judgmental. Mm, And then I feel bad. And then we all feel bad. So as far as taking friends experiences or advice, you just have to Mm -hmm. listen to yourself and see if you know, what they're saying is coming from a good place. That's true. Jealousy is a bitch. And we've all been there. Mm -hmm. We've all been envious and jealous of our friends' relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, if you haven't, you're lying. Sorry. (laughs) But where is that coming from? Are you unhappy because you haven't done the self-work? Or are you really concerned about your friend? Because, you know, if something's been brought up multiple times, or there's things that you're like, that's a red flag, then of course, you know, it's worth risking a relationship, to be honest. If your friend can take that information and go, okay, you know, my friend really, really just cares about me and is worried that the person I'm seeing isn't doing this, you know, it's a give and take and everyone processes this differently. That's why when we talk about boundaries, friendships, relationships, it's so different for everybody. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's always been, you know, I think my friends are coming from a good place. Mm -hmm. And if they're not, then I back away a little bit and I talk to my other friend about the relationship issues and not her because Mm -hmm. something's going on with her and Mm -hmm. that's okay and if we have self-awareness and we are growing being in my late 20s i'm hopeful because there's no more space for anyone in my life who's not on the same path i am Mm -hmm. as far as self-awareness and growth i love that so going back to actually that same relationship that i mentioned so Spoiler alert, we're obviously not together anymore. And towards the end, we clearly had a lot of things that we were trying to work through. And at this point, I had this very long history with this person. Like I'd known him through college. By the time we broke up, we'd known each other for almost 10 years. And I think it was kind of like what I was alluding to before, where it's like we had this history. And also going back to the idea of like what the media portrays, I think part of me romanticized it. And in my mind, I was like, well, we keep coming back to each other. Like we started as friends, but there was always this tension. And then, you know, we were like friends with benefits and then we ended up in a relationship. And I was just like the fact that we have this longstanding friendship that has now evolved into a relationship 
clearly it's meant to be. So even though it's been difficult for like months, we're going to get past it. So we really did try to work on it. And he had actually suggested that like every Sunday we set aside time to like talk through how we were feeling about things and bring up anything that might have happened that was bothering us so we could just kind of address it. So really great in theory. However, it actually didn't work out well, like in terms of the execution, like it just kind of felt like it was this chore rather than, and it's not easy, obviously, like no one really wants to talk about like these things that bothered them, but it felt like more of a chore than I feel like it should. And it kind of felt like it was half-hearted, even though it was his idea. And so we eventually broke up and he admitted that he wasn't really like trying as hard as he could have been. So clearly it wasn't just me who was sensing this resistance. And in hindsight, I feel like I'm just disappointed in myself because I just kind of compromised a lot of standards that I should have had and put up with some behaviors that, you know, I wish that I hadn't. Of course, I wasn't perfect either. But I guess in terms of how we could have worked through this, not saying that we should have, what are some recommendations that you have for couples who need to work through things and need a way to talk through it without it feeling like it's this big chore or without one person getting resentful that they have to put in this active work? I think a lot of times we think, oh, okay, if we like set aside this time to do this, you know, it's going to kind of have us both think through and force us to do it. And for some couples, I do think that would probably work, like the ones that really like require a lot of organization. Mm -hmm. But I also think that just saying like, I think we need to talk about it in the moment. Like Mm. if something comes up, we both need to actively try to say, this is bothering me. Can we talk about it? Mm -hmm. And also setting ground rules for each other, you know, like I need a safe space to talk about the things that are bothering me in our relationship. Can we set down some ground rules for how we're going to do this? Mm -hmm. And, you know then you guys make those up together, you know, whether that's like, you let me finish talking. And then I say, okay, now you can respond Mm -hmm. just a number of different things where you feel like you need that in order to be safe to communicate with that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's got to come between you guys and the way that your personalities are the way that you've built your relationship. But I think from the beginning, just saying like, we need to be able to talk about things and how can we both do that in a way that feels safe? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really great advice. And so I know that therapy is obviously a really great resource, and I have not personally gone through therapy. I think that it's super beneficial. I would be more than open to it. And I would love to hear from both of your perspectives, like what are the benefits of attending therapy? When would you recommend therapy to someone? What do you think people can stand to gain from going to therapy? Well, there's definitely a lot to gain, but you have to be ready for it and you Mm -hmm. have to be open for it. You know, a lot of times when specifically, you know, single life or a couple, it doesn't really matter. But specifically in a couple situation where a partner is saying, you need to go to therapy, Mm -hmm. we need to make this work, or you go to couples therapy. If someone's not on board, it's not going to work. And it's basically a waste of money and a waste of time because Mm -hmm. you need to be open and you need to be ready for it. So Mm. in going to therapy, you know, a good time to go is when you are feeling lost, Mm-hmm. When you need someone to talk to and you've kind of exhausted your friends or your partner or mm-hmm. your family, when you're relying way too much on them yeah. and you start to go, I'm not getting what I need here. Mm-hmm. And when you're losing sight of your boundaries, those are good times to enter into you know, a therapeutic relationship. But you know, with therapy, it, and it looks different for every state, you know, it's not, it doesn't have to be weekly. It could be every other week if you belong to, you know, 
depending on if you have insurance or not, it could look like every three weeks. So, mm -hmm. you know, therapy, it's different across the board. It's different across the U.S. entirely, but it's worth it if you're ready for it and you have to be ready for it. I don't have a therapist right now. I haven't had one in years because mm -hmm. I felt pretty good. Yeah. But then quarantine, I was like debating. I was like, if this gets worse, I have to go. Yeah. And it's not that I didn't want to go. It's just really it's hard it's hard to find a good therapist oh my gosh yes that's gonna work for you mm -hmm. and you know one thing i do want to say to all your listeners that's really important that you know we've been trying to spread on our channel is that like you are allowed to not work with a therapist mm -hmm. and i feel like that's like probably the one the one message that is the most important is that you can literally have a session with a therapist and go it's not for me mm -hmm. and if if we are following our ethical boundaries as professionals in the field then we're gonna say that's okay here's a referral to someone else yeah because you're allowed to do that and i feel like a lot of people too don't take therapy as seriously or the way they want it to is because they're not connected to their therapist mm -hmm. but that's a relationship too yeah and if you don't feel safe with your therapist feel like they're not listening maybe they're not the right demographic for what you need, mm -hmm. then you need to look into someone else because, you know, this is your work. This is your time. This is potentially your money. Like this, we, you know, we're not offended if it's not working. Mm -hmm. So that's something that's really an important message. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is really important to hear because I do feel like you might feel like, oh, should I be giving this another chance? Like if it's not a good fit, it actually sounds yeah. kind of like finding a partner. Honestly, yes. it's like you yeah. kind of have to just listen to whether it's an intuitive oh, fit or yeah. not and not just yes. talk yourself into continuing because you're like, well, like, let's see, it might get better. Yeah, I usually give it two sessions, kind of like dates. I usually give mm -hmm. it two dates unless there's like a million yeah. red flags or like <laughs> something major, major. But mm -hmm. I usually give it two because obviously this is the first time meeting that person and it's awkward to like sit there and like mm -hmm. talk about yourself with someone you don't know. So I usually give it two. But yeah, absolutely. Like finding a therapist is not as easy as they make it look on, you know, media or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It really is just meeting that person person that you feel comfortable hearing feedback from yeah. and also telling things to. And if you're not going to open up and be honest with that person and really get into it, then you're wasting your money. Mm -hmm. For me, I kind of have a little bit of a different perspective than Lauren when it comes to going to therapy. I really think that people need to be in individual therapy before mm -hmm. they go to couples therapy. Mm -hmm. And that's because if you really don't know your own issues and you really don't know where that's stemming from, mm -hmm. then it's really, you're not ready to go to that next step and combine that with somebody else's crap. Mm. That's a really you know? good point. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of my perspective. I think everyone needs to go to therapy at least once in their life to know the experience and to have some more insight into themselves. I don't think you're ever done with self growth and no. I don't think you're ever done um, unearthing your shit. So I think you really have to be open to that mm -hmm. and try it out. You know, even if it's just going for a couple months to just really dig a little bit deeper and then move forward with doing your own mm -hmm. self-work after that through mm -hmm. different channels. You know, mm -hmm. some therapists will be able to give you like, you know, this is how you can move forward without me and yeah. trying to look some stuff up and figure it out. Yeah. So this might be too broad of a question, but is there like a way that you would say a good therapist or a therapist who you have a strong connection with, who's really meeting your needs should make you feel after sessions? Like what should you kind of be looking for when you're determining if that therapist is a good fit? So I think that there's multiple answers to that. Mm -hmm. 
there will be times that you may leave therapy and you may not feel good at all. Yeah. How that is, is obviously in a way that you may feel like someone just made you talk about a bunch of stuff that made you sad or angry or feel like crap. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. That's for you to go home and do the work afterwards. Yeah. I'm not going to shove all this back down. It got brought up to the surface and now I need to journal or talk about it more or whatever it is to figure out how I can move forward through this. Mm-hmm. There'll be other times that you leave and you're just kind of blank. Mm-hmm. There's like nothing going on in your head. It's just mm-hmm. kind of like you got it all out and you feel a, a sense of calmness. Yeah. And there may be times where you leave and you're like, oh, I just feel great. Like I feel like I really got a lot out of that. Mm-hmm. I think if you're leaving, and you're feeling like you did more for the therapist than they did for you. And I have been in therapy sessions for myself where that's been the case. That's not a good match. Okay. If you feel judged or you felt like the session didn't go where you wanted it to go, like you kept trying to talk about certain things and they kept changing the topic, mm-hmm. things like that. That's yeah. where you're like, okay, this isn't a good match. Yeah. Yeah. You might feel drained. Mm-hmm. You might feel tired. You might feel defensive you might feel really happy. Mm -hmm. And it just depends on what they brought out of you because our jobs as therapists, well, it depends on your theoretical orientation. Mm -hmm. But for some therapists kind of getting into what it's like to be in your mind and saying questions, bringing things out of you and then flipping it Mm -hmm. where you're the one that has the awareness because we probably have a good guess of what's going on, but we don't know because we're not in the body of the person, in the mind of the person, in their experiences. But in times where something's brought out that's like, you know, relating to trauma or your family or something that's really going to trigger you, you might leave the session going, wow, how dare they? How dare they say that to me? That (laughs) Mm -hmm. was so wrong. Give it a few hours, give it a few days, and you'll go, wow, that was so right. Mm -hmm. I can't believe I felt that way. So it really just depends on the session. It depends on what you talk about. But like Ryan said, definitely, if you feel like you're doing more of the work, then that's probably a sign that this isn't the right Mm. relationship for you. Yeah. God, that sounds so cathartic. And it's like an emotional cleansing, you know, like, it's kind of like the equivalent of, you know, like you push yourself to do something really hard physically, it's horrible in the moment. But you do come out of that feeling stronger and feeling accomplished once you realize like, oh, I was able to push through that made me realize that I have new boundaries that maybe I didn't have before. And yeah, it's just tough to overcome that hump, I would imagine. Yeah. And I mean, I kind of have a a good example of my experience with my last therapist when I was still living in California. You know, she's the one who really supported me to move to Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And before starting therapy with her, I was relying a lot on other people's opinions on what my choice was. And then after therapy with her of a couple of months, you know, I felt like I really was able to trust myself and trust my decisions Mm -hmm. and also see why I wasn't comfortable with just trusting myself in Mm -hmm. the first place. Mm -hmm. But there were times that I would leave therapy and I'd go home and I just feel exhausted or cry or just really be drained. But that's when you're doing the work. Like it's really just kind of like shifting things and bringing them up and pushing through them. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that there are a lot of options for therapy in terms of payment and affordability, but if you came across someone who's like, you know, I really don't feel comfortable paying for this right now and I want to try and do some work on my own, what would be your recommendations before someone actually makes that investment in finding a therapist? Well, 
there are different podcasts and self-help books that they can even check out of the library. Or if you have like a Kindle or tablet, you can check out online books, mm-hmm. podcasts, of course. And I do love certain coaches, like mm-hmm. coaches. However, mm-hmm. I will say if you're wanting to get into the meat of certain issues, I would trust the mind of a professional psychologist, social worker, therapist mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. If you really want to touch into like deep trauma or relationships or touching into the deeper stuff, not to discount anyone who's in that field as a coach, but mm-hmm. there's plenty of podcasts and you know even YouTube videos that you can browse for something if you need like a quick fix. And for those who, you know, maybe affording therapy is a little bit difficult right now, you know, there's always community mental health centers mm-hmm. that you can go to mm-hmm. that yeah. is paid through by Medicaid usually. Oh, wow. Okay. And there's sliding scale therapists, mm-hmm. a newer therapist or someone who's an AMFT like me, who's mm-hmm. not licensed yet, mm-hmm. might have a more affordable rate. Mm. And also prioritizing, you know, I know that therapy can be expensive, but mm-hmm. if it's, you know, prioritizing your mental health, maybe you don't need to go shopping this yeah. month. Maybe yeah. you need to use that money towards a session with your therapist. So definitely different options. Yeah. Checking in with who your employer is. Some employers have, I think it's EAP. It's mm-hmm. like they have a certain amount of sessions that they will offer that they will pay for through your insurance. So mm-hmm. that's always a good one. If you want to just see what it would be like first before going out and finding, you know, a different therapist or paying for it out of pocket. Mm-hmm. I also know that Talkspace and BetterHelp both have income driven payment type things. Oh. So if you make under a certain amount, they will offer you a like financial aid number where you're paying less than you normally would be. Nice. I mean, these are all great options. It's like I didn't even think about community mental health centers, for example, or, you know, the fact that there is a sliding scale for these some of these larger platforms. So that is all really helpful by way of resources. Thank you. You're welcome. So kind of to go back to something, Ryan, that you had said earlier, you mentioned that you really recommend that if someone is going to go through therapy, they go through individual therapy before embarking on couples therapy. And I think that makes perfect sense. And I'd actually wanted to ask both of you about how to prepare yourself for a relationship, because it's very easy, I think, to point fingers and say, like, in this relationship, like this person did X, Y, and Z. But no one is perfect. To your point earlier, there's always room for improvement and self-growth. So how do you kind of recognize what type of work that you need to do and if you are bringing issues into a potential relationship? So this is the work I did in 2019. Mm. I do love talking about it because it did work for me. Mm -hmm. So I want to say that it's more of a success story. But brief backstory, my ex reached out to me at the end of 2018 Mm. and we started a more casual thing again. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not going to fall for this. Not going to fall for this. I was dating other people. We were both dating other people. I'm like, not going to fall for this. Mm -hmm. Fell for it, obviously. Who doesn't? But, you know, I felt like maybe things were different. And the reason I thought that was because I hadn't talked to him Mm -hmm. for a year and a half. You know, he disappeared. I thought about him occasionally. Like we have some similar circles, but I was doing my own thing. I was dating people, living my life. Yeah. But then he came back. So I thought, you know what? Maybe things have changed. Mm-hmm. Maybe he w- was ready for something. So I got up the courage and it was like maybe three months, four months into us doing this thing. Don't even have a label for it because mm-hmm. there was, you know, nothing to define. Mm-hmm. I said, what is this and what are we doing? Yeah. So 
basically he said like you know we're kind of just doing our thing and i'm like well i want <laughs> a relationship i said i want a relationship mm -hmm. like do you want one with me again mm -hmm. he's like well we tried before and it didn't work all these things i mean there's a lot of things i could say about him but yeah. out of respect for him because <laughs> i am the bigger person i'm mm -hmm. not going to go into that good for you but basically that's when i started using boundaries mm -hmm. yeah. the one thing i'd say to prepare yourself is to really look at what you need and what you want and stick by it mm -hmm. pretend honestly it sounds silly but pretend that it's like life or death yeah you know like if you want a relationship don't pretend you don't want one you want yeah. one ask the question so i did and he didn't want what I wanted. I said, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. A couple months go by. He reaches out again. We have the conversation again. And I said, I'm done. I don't want to yeah. do this anymore. And guess what? He enters a relationship about a couple weeks after. What? Why does that so, always happen? Because I have a few theories on this. But again, it's <laughs> circumstantial for the person. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. I am looking at his personality and I'm like, well, this is so like on brand for him. Mm -hmm. You know, he exhausted all the resources I had given him and yeah. I was done. And he, he knew I was done because the boundaries were set so hard that mm -hmm. he knew there was no way for him to come back. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew deep in my heart because we all have an intuition that if I had stayed with him, he would have ended my relationship and gone with her, which is exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. But I had just basically tapped into my intuition and said, you know what, like I need to, to figure out what I need right now because mm -hmm. I'm going to get hurt. And yes, it still hurt me. But then a few months later, I met my boyfriend. Yeah. So the way that I prepared to get into this new relationship was to get rid of the trash, mm -hmm. cut off all friends with benefits, cut off yes. all casual relationships, cut off all conversations with men that you once dated, once met on an app. If nothing's gone further, you need to cut it all out. Mm. And it's really hard to do. And yeah. it took me a really long time. So when I say this, I say this with, make sure you're ready. Once you cut them all out, the universe says, you've learned your lesson. Mm. This was a test. Work on yourself for a little bit and, and you'll find them. And it's been said before and I was like, okay. <laughs> and then I was like, it happened to me. Mm -hmm. It did. So yeah. that's my story. And so that's how I'd prepare. I'd say, get rid of the garbage mm -hmm. and reconnect with yourself spend time doing things you love with people that you love and then you know add those boundaries in and when you're ready for the relationship you know learn to trust yourself you mm -hmm. know what you need mm -hmm. better than anybody does mm -hmm. so if you want that relationship you'll get it you just have to be honest from the beginning wow. with yourself and with the person wow that is hitting me so much. For one, I feel like people always say like, oh, well, I found my boyfriend when I just wasn't looking for it. And I'm like, what? What does that mean? You know, because it's like to find someone to date, a lot of times you do have to be looking for it. Like if you meet your boyfriend on the apps and clearly you wanted a relationship, then yes, you were looking for it. I think what you said, that makes a lot more sense in terms of being like, I was working on myself actively. So it wasn't that you were like, oh, I wasn't looking for a relationship. It's like you weren't looking for that validation from people who weren't serving you. And then you took the time to yourself. And I feel like that that is so empowering. However, I cringe because I'm still friends with one of my exes and he was on my podcast. He was on like two of my episodes. So I'm like, do I need to stop talking to him? <laughs> Well, and that depends too, because with mine, he, I loved him, mm -hmm. you know, he was my first love and my first real relationship. So no, I could never be friends with him. Mm -hmm. Look, we tried, mm -hmm. it failed. 
and he's the one that crossed the boundary first, not me. Mm-hmm. But there are people that I've gone on dates with before that I am friends with because it just didn't work out. So mm-hmm. it really just depends on what type of relationship that you have with your ex. And if there's any romantic feelings, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. If they're still bubbling and brewing or, you know, when you're single, you guys still hook up and do your thing. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. That's something you have to kind of think about. Yeah, for sure. I'm in the same place. Lauren's <laughs> always telling me this stuff because I got them always popping up like popcorn. <laughs> they're literally like whack-a-moles. <laughs> yes, I was exactly thinking that. I was like, just whack them down, man. It's the energy exchange. It's, you know, it really has to do with that. If you're feeling that boundaries being crossed, that energy is being pulled from it. You know, they're trying to cross that line of what's real friendship between Mm -hmm. past romantic partners and just real friends. You know, you have to be honest with yourself about that. And I think that's hard because we as humans enjoy that validation and we want to hear that people are still thinking about us or, you know, whatever it is. And we have to cut that off for ourselves, too. And I think, you know, that's really where that growth happens is saying, I don't need this anymore. And I'm Mm -hmm. open to the right person coming and giving it to me. Yeah. So that really transitions very well into something else that I had wanted to ask you both about. And that is, how do you know that you are finally over an ex? Because I know it differs from relationship to relationship and person to person. And also, I feel like sometimes you might be in a position where you kind of like let yourself wallow and you actually do need a push to like get back into the dating world. So how do you figure out what that balance is? I don't know if you're ever over your ex fully. Mm. So, you know, the memories are still there, you know, I still reference people that I've dated if it's relevant, but as far as knowing when to go back out and date, when you stop stalking them on social media, (laughs) when you block them on social media, you're ready because you're basically saying, I don't need this anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm done. I don't need to go into their feed anymore and see what they're up to. Mm Mm-hmm. And you can always unblock them. You always have that opportunity when you're, you know, feeling good and feeling ready. Mm -hmm. But I think that's kind of how I knew that I was like, cool, I'm really ready for this next step. Mm -hmm. And that was before I met my boyfriend. So it wasn't like I met him and I'm like, oh, I'm ready now. Yeah. It was actually the month before. It was October of last year. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't need to see this anymore. And then that worked for me. I'm like loving this. None of this like wishy-washy, like, oh, when you know, you'll know. It's like, no, this is, here's a concrete metric when you're not looking at this timeline anymore. That is really helpful. It's hard to break out of that for some people. Exactly. And people are always saying, like you said, you just know and you know, and I'm like, cool, that works for you. (laughs) Yeah. But for me, for someone who's dated for so many years in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. I've met them all. I've dated them all. I'm pretty sure I've tried them all. Mm -hmm. But It's just, like you said earlier, once I got the internal validation from myself, Mm -hmm. from my friends, I no longer needed it from some ex. Mm -hmm. And that also made me realize, okay, I'm ready. Yeah. So that was like another piece to it too. Mm -hmm. With that person who I knew for 10 years, I was just kind of at a point where I was like, I don't, I don't want to see it at all because I was just like, you know, it's never going to feel good if I scroll through his timeline and he's dating someone else, you know, I don't really need to see that. So I actually blocked him right away. And I feel like it helped quite a bit. It is a weird feeling though. I will say just like thinking this person lives like five miles away from me and was in my life for so long. And now I literally have no idea, like, do they still live in LA? Like, are they still in the same, like, house? Are they dating anyone? It is it is a really interesting 
shift, but a positive one. And because the universe likes to play games with you, I actually ran into mine right before COVID hit. No. And I lost my shit. What was the circumstance? Like, did you actually talk to him? I gave him a little nod because I'm not a jerk. Mm -hmm. I'm going to acknowledge when I see somebody. Mm -hmm. But it was actually a fitness event that I went to with one of my friends. And he should not have been there. There's (laughs) no way he should have been there. This was a sign from the universe. (laughs) But basically, you know what? And, And as far as he goes... Yeah, I doubt he'll ever listen to this, but if he does, <laughs> some form, you know, I don't have anything ill to say about him now because I'm happy. I'm happy with my yeah. current partner. I'm happy in my relationship with my friends, my family. I don't need him. He was a great learning lesson for me, but he is a huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. So I still talk about him when it's relevant, like I said. But yeah, so I was like thinking the same thing as you, Leslie. <laughs> like, does he still live here? And then boom. <laughs> he does. So, yeah, confirmation he lives here, but mm-hmm. that was the closure mm-hmm. of like, there he is, you know, he's with his girlfriend. Cool, I'm doing my thing. Mm-hmm. We've officially moved on with our lives. That's great. That is great. I actually ran into my ex too, and I kind of forgot about it until you just said that. It was less of a direct run-in, and it wasn't an ideal situation, for sure, because I was on a second date, it was like back in the fall, and we were sitting outside on the patio, and I don't know, it's just like something drew my eye over to the street, I was like, what's, what's going on? And then I see my ex, like, walk by, and he clearly, like, walked into the restaurant, like, he was supposed to meet someone there, realized they weren't there, And so then he was like waiting on the street for them. And it was a really awkward angle to where like, I couldn't directly see him. But I was also like, can he see me? Like, I don't know. But it wasn't like organic enough to where I could have stopped the date and even spoken to him. So he left at some point. I don't know exactly when he left. But I was just like, what a weird scenario to run into somebody on when you're like on a second date. I feel like it's very different if you're with like your new partner. And you're like, I'm secure in this. But I was still like, do I like this guy? I don't know. The whole thing's awkward. It's just a test. Just a test from the universe, making sure that you're doing okay. Mm -hmm. Because it's going to throw you curveballs. And you know, when you least expect it, you're going to see people, you're going to hear something And, you know, how does it affect you? How do you feel in like your heart? You know, Mm -hmm. I always kind of do like a heart check Mm -hmm. where like, if, you know, I hear from an ex, I always, my heart literally feels like I swallowed it for some reason. But if I did hear from someone and it was like, you know, an ex and and I'm fine, then I'm like, oh, and I'm fine. Like, I'm doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So I guess... One other thing that I wanted to talk about in terms of issues that you might be bringing into a relationship. So we've kind of touched on this a little bit, the fact that, you know, it's really difficult to determine if you should be open to somebody because, Lauren, you said something that resonated with me so much. You said that you're like, well, this could be the person. And so I did the same thing where I was going on all of these dates, really wore myself out. When you said you went on three to four dates a week, I was like, oof, I've been there. It was fun in the beginning, I think, because I was very optimistic, but it's just tiresome. Like, it's not a sustainable lifestyle to go on, like, three or four first dates regularly in the course of a week. So how do you kind of find the balance between I'm either being too open and just kind of accepting dates with anyone, or maybe you are kind of weeding people out because they don't fit within, like, a very rigid checklist that you've set for yourself? Personally, for me, because I'm still in the dating pool, Mm -hmm. I've thought this through and I still kind of go back and forth between like accepting dates with people I normally 
wouldn't have mm-hmm. based on my like checklist or whatever and and you know being more particular and i think the one thing that i've felt or noticed is that there's kind of just this like ug factor mm-hmm. and if you're feeling like ug before the date then maybe uh-huh. <laughs> it's not a date you should go on yeah and usually when i get to those dates it isn't a date I should have gone on. It turns mm-hmm. out to be an UG date. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's also the energy you're bringing to it. You yeah. know, for whatever reason, maybe that's not the right day. Your work's been too hard. You've got a lot on your plate. You haven't done enough for yourself. Mm-hmm. And now you're trying to put yourself out there. And it's just not clicking. It's yeah. not working. Yeah. So keying into that feeling. And if later you guys keep talking and then there's another opportunity for the date and you feel a little bit better about it, then I feel like you should know that this is a date you should still try to go on. Yeah. And also being open with yourself. Like, am I weeding this person out because I'm trying to make them fit into some fantasy box that I've had my whole life of them being six foot five and, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) whatever it is that you have in your little fantasy box. Or am I weeding them out because there are actually red flags and mm-hmm. I'm keep picking up on those and I'm just not maybe fully conscious of what they are. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of thinking through and being honest with yourself that comes to play when it comes to dating. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. And it's interesting to figure out like what's a non-negotiable versus what's a nice to have. And I think to myself, so like this is very silly to some people, I'm sure, but I'm an only child. And I am not a big fan of it. I apologize if either of you are only children and love it. But I wish I had siblings. I wished I did when I was a kid. And I still do as an adult. I feel like it's a great relationship to have. And my family is pretty spread apart. Like my parents were born in Jamaica. So my family is not like consolidated in Southern California. And so for me, I'm like, I don't want to marry an only child. I want to marry someone who has like these siblings. It doesn't have to be a huge family, but just like more of a centralized family unit. But then I'm like, okay, if you went on a couple dates with someone and you didn't realize they were an only child until like date two or three, would you then say like, everything else is great, but I'm going to stop dating them? Like, probably not. You know, it's just like kind of having to figure out like, how important is this to you? Yeah. Or looking at how you can get that need met in other ways. Like Mm -hmm. maybe they're an only child, but their cousins are super close with them Mm -hmm. or they have extended family or friends that have always been at all their holidays. Or, you know, I think that there's a gray area to all of these things that we're interested in. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then there are non-negotiables where it's like just hard and fast, black and white. Like that's a no or that's a yes. But I think just having that perspective of you can look outside of the box to see if there's still places you can get that need met in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also with certain checklist items, you know, if what you're looking for has no flexibility to ever change, because, you know, if you met someone and they, you know, again, are like super firm in how they feel about something or, you know, you see that they lack empathy, that's not going to change. Yeah. So you have to be okay with that. If they have more of a serious personality and don't know how to kid around and joke, that's probably not going to change. Mm-hmm. But if they're still in school, if their job mm-hmm. is not right mm-hmm. where they want it to be or their career, if they, you know, are open to moving somewhere else, like things that you could see potentially changing over time is another thing to look out for too. Yeah, that's very true. You might be with someone who's not in the life stage that you imagine long term. But there are times when you can clearly see they're working towards this, this isn't going to be a permanent thing, like nobody is Mm -hmm. a student forever, or paying off their student loans forever, or whatever it might be. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, just really believing people when they tell you something. I think a Mm. lot of people getting into relationships say, oh, I really, really like them. And they said they didn't want to get married and they didn't want kids, but I knew that I could change their mind or things would change once they got (laughs) to know me. like, why? It may change, but you need to always believe what they're saying when they say it. Mm -hmm. If they're saying, I don't want this or I don't want that or I'm not ready for this, then you need to meet them where they're at and date them where they're at. Not date them where you hope they're going to be in 10, 20 years or 10 weeks, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I feel like especially if the thing that they're saying is something that's hard to admit, like especially when you're with a guy and he's like, he knows he wants a relationship and he's like, I don't want a relationship. It's like it was hard for him to say that because he knows that it might cause you to walk away. So why would somebody lie in a way that's going to make things more difficult for them? Right. And I think we see that as a competition as you're just saying that because you don't know Mm -hmm. me yet. You just don't know how good it's going to be. But they're not ready for one with you or they just might not be ready for one at all. And you still have to believe what they're saying and decide if you stay and you're upset about the outcome down the line, then you're the only person to blame in that scenario because they were honest with you. That's true. Yeah. Hard pill to swallow, but better to just take it at face value early rather than be like, oh, I should have listened to that thing they said four months ago. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to wrap up with something that I think plays very well into setting boundaries. And essentially, I think when you don't have boundaries, you can often ignore some red flags that come up in relationships. And so I wanted to pose a couple of red flags or deal breakers to you to see your thoughts. And then would also love to get your expert opinions on how would you address this if this came up with someone who you were dating, but were really actually interested in trying to make it work with. So sounds good. The first red flag or deal breaker. Every time you have a relationship issue, he consults his most recent ex about everything in detail. Deal breaker. Ooh. Deal breaker. Wow. 100%. Yeah. I figured. That's not a good sign. And there's no way. Even if you have a friendship, it's like, it depends. Well, you said most recent ex. Yeah. If it was a high school ex. Like, maybe I wouldn't care as much as, like, someone dating a year ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I also think that moving into that a little bit more, it is a red flag when the person you're dating isn't communicating with you mm-hmm. first and foremost. They're going to their mom. They're yeah. going to this person. They're going to that person. Very Obviously, true. it's fine for you to go to your friends and process things to try to bring it back to the person you're with to, like, work through it. But I mean, I've been with somebody who would go to their mom every time we had an issue. And let me tell you, that ruined our relationship because Mm -hmm. they're bringing a third person into something. And then that third perspective is coming into your Mm -hmm. relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And that like must strain the relationship that you have with the mom. It's like with anything, like I feel like if you're only hearing negatives about someone who you care about is dating, then of course that's going to color that person's opinion of you because it's like, I'm only getting this one side. I'm seeing you when you're upset, blah, blah, blah. I care about wanting to make you happy, whatever that looks like. So it's really not fair for you as you're trying to form a relationship with his mom. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the next one, what if all of his best friends are fuckboys or cheat on their girlfriends and he sees no problem with it, but he says he never has cheated and never would? Red flag. Mm, that one's hard. Yeah. It's borderline. Kind of in the middle. Cheating is horrible. Mm-hmm. Any form of it. Physical, emotional. And so 
you know, I don't want to put him in a box and say, okay, well, you know, his friends are doing it. He must do it too. Mm -hmm. But the company that you keep, that phrase is sticking out to me. So I Mm -hmm. might say deal breaker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like it would be like a maroon flag. I don't know. That would be really, really hard. Definitely maroon. Yeah. (laughs) That's so tough. Okay, so what if they hate your best friend and refuse to spend time with them or work on that relationship? Hmm. Maroon again. (laughs) I don't know, because it just depends, you know? If they're both super outspoken and competitive, maybe they're not getting along with each other because of that, you know? I guess it just depends on why that's happening. Yeah, I I guess it is kind of vague because it could be like, oh, something happened and I can clearly see why these people don't like each other. But if it's just this intangible hatred, then I feel like that might be a deal breaker, especially if it's a newer relationship, then it's like, of course, I'm going to value the friendship over it and you're not even giving a good reason. Exactly. Yeah, and it's just hard because for me, ideally, I would love for my friends and my boyfriend and my boyfriend's friends to all be like this cohesive group and we don't have to hang out all the time. But like, I don't know, I think that would be really fun and ideal. Yeah, I think it's important for sure to have that ability to like intermingle between their friends, your friends, and then obviously like independence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my last relationship, he really couldn't hang with my friends. He was Mm -hmm. just kind of like a wet blanket all the time. Mm -hmm. And and I could hang out with his friends. And Mm -hmm. so like, yeah, that became a deal breaker because I didn't feel equal. There's just so many more things that can go into it to make it whether it's a deal breaker or a red flag. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. definitely red, red flag, maroon flag. Yeah. Okay, so a couple more. If he doesn't respect time, and what I mean by that is like he's consistently late to things that are important to you, even when it has like a real impact. So for example, like you were really looking forward to this concert and you missed the first like 45 minutes of it, or you missed a flight for a trip that you were really excited about. Deal breaker. Um, Well, because I have a lot of issues with routine Mm. and schedules Mm -hmm. at this point in my life for something major definitely a deal breaker but Mm -hmm. red flag for everything not major Mm -hmm. my boyfriend is not the best with time he'll say he's coming you know he's leaving now and i'm like where are you 30 minutes later he's like i'm leaving now (laughs) but for something major for our two favorite things travel and music no I, know. I was like, breaker. this is going to get them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Deal breaker. I'm not missing the concert. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's I'm, I'm in Aries and mm-hmm. everything is hard and fast. And like, I'm just go, go, go. And mm-hmm. if someone's not on time and doesn't stick to what they're telling me they're going to do, like I have a very hard time with it. So for yeah. me, it would be a deal breaker. Yeah. And I feel like that's just if you're looking to build a life with someone, I don't want someone who's that scattered. Like you don't have to be so punctual right. all the time, yeah. 100% of the time. Sometimes. But like you need to get your shit together if this is a big trip that we've been planning for months. Like Right. On. Or if it's like, you know, like a dinner with your parents or something where yes. you like want to make a good impression. Yeah. Yeah. And it adds more anxiety to you and how you feel. Then mm-hmm. I'm anxious. I've taken on full anxiety that I didn't have 20 minutes ago. Yeah. And it's of someone else. And I hate that because I, I like control. So, mm-hmm. Like, I'll know. take the anxiety that is caused by me. Like, I don't want to, yeah. but I'll accept yeah. it. But I don't want someone else causing me anxiety. It's not yeah, fair. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So last one. This is a little lighter. He regularly gets into aggressive fights with strangers on internet forums or like in the comments section of Instagram. Oh, my God. Am I this picky deal breaker? <laughs> 
I mean, yeah, I just think it's unnecessary drama that mm-hmm. I don't need in my life anymore. Yeah. And I don't do that. I, I definitely, you know, I stalk, yeah. I stalk mm-hmm. gossip sites and I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, this is interesting. I never comment. No, no, never. I feel like it's a deal breaker for me too. And I think yeah. more recently I've gotten into reading the comments because it's like, what a treasure trove, like people have such strong opinions. <laughs> and sometimes I'll like see a post yes. on Instagram and I'm like, I don't really have strong opinions, but I know other people do. So I'm going to read these to see. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but like, I, I don't see the point. It is too much drama. I try to live as drama free a life as I can. And so if you're really getting into drama over things that you literally can't change with people you don't know, no. Right jailbreaker yeah Yeah. this was amazing thank you so much for coming on i feel like you guys gave some great resources and some really just like concrete advice for working on yourself things to look for how to set boundaries and that is really what i was looking for and i hope and know that my listeners will really get something out of this so thank you yeah we had so much fun Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Oh, good. Where can people find you and your podcast, like plug anything that you want people to discover? Yeah. So our podcast is called Dope Shit My Therapist Says. The I in shit is actually a star. If you want to find us on Instagram, it's dope sht therapy pod. And that is also our email address on Gmail. And our podcast, you can find it on Apple, Spotify, and Google Play. Highly recommend. You will always get some great insights. So well worth the listen. Thank you. Thanks, you guys. Let's be exclusive. Subscribe to Interstates and Heartbreak wherever you listen to podcasts for more firsthand stories about the unglamorous side of dating in Los Angeles. And while you're at it, you can write me a love letter with a rating and review on Apple. See you next Sunday.